we are calling the Invite Challenge. This week's Invite Challenge is inviting someone to church that is in your family. If you have a family member that you know doesn't go to church or doesn't have a home church or a godly community, we encourage you and challenge you for this week, invite them to come to church with you next Sunday. For our next announcement, Sermon Notes winner. This week's Sermon Notes winner is Ethan Hall. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Ethan a hand? Great job, Ethan. Congratulations. And for our last announcement, Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is Norma Schwartz. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Norma a hand? For those of you who don't know, Norma is our prayer meeting leader. She leads a prayer team every Sunday morning. Norma, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. Come see me. I have a gift card for you for the Cross Culture Cafe. Speaking of the prayer team, we encourage you to join Norma and the others for prayer every Sunday morning. They meet at 8.30 to 8.45 and 10.30 from 10.45. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and have a great week. Very good, amen. Uh, it's a little hot, Aaron, this mic, maybe. Thank you. Uh, good. Um, it's great to see you all. We're going to continue in our ser sermon series here, Grace Unhindered. It's been an incredible series. I um, want, want you to just kind of uh, get the rest of it. We have uh, this message today and three more after this. And then we're going to be moving into our marriage sermon series. Hello, somebody. Y'all ready for the marriage sermon series? Yeah, and that'll take us right, um, right through... Uh, to uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas time and, and those type of things. And so it's going to be very good. So we want you to look forward to that. Hey, uh, if you did last week's uh, visitor challenge, right? You invited someone from work, right? I just want to tell you it worked uh, because my wife leaned over to me last week and said, will you come to me church next week? And so here I am. So see, uh, it's, it's that easy. It's, it's that easy. Um, uh, but think about someone in your family that you're thinking, man, um, I just love for them to be in the presence of God with me and uh, just give a casual invite, right? Uh, what we're learning is that most people who don't go to church or, 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 or don't have a home church, they, they would come if there was an invite. And uh, so we're making room with two services and things like that. So uh, one other update I want you to look forward to next week. Everybody say next week. Next week, we're going to be giving you the quarterly uh, financial update that'll happen on a Sunday morning really quick. I want you to know where the church is financially. We keep those things uh, up in front. We want you also to always remember that anytime you want to know where the church's finances are, you can ask Miss Holly and she will print you out a current uh, status of where the church is. But I think you're going to be happy uh, about some things that are happening and we want to appreciate who you are. You know, we don't take up an offering around here. We let you uh, come and give your offering. And so, um, just like uh, Lucy said a couple weeks ago, uh, they've been coming for about six months, and she's like, Pastor Don, when, when do we give? Like, so um, we, we just believe in the aspect of God's people giving. We believe in the tithe, and so uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Next week, you're going to see what that looks like, uh, but you can. You can give when you come in. Uh, you can give online. Uh, those are, are ways you can do that, but you're going to hear next week a little bit about what your giving and your faithfulness is allowing us as a leadership team to accomplish so be ready for that. It's going to be good. Amen. <clears throat> it's going to be amazing. Uh, we do have some news. Um, need you to pray for the building. Um, 
as it's starting, the new building over here as it's starting, the gymnasium and uh, the youth facility. Uh, we've seen the dates, and if everything hits the dates like it's supposed to, uh, we are supposed to be finished with construction and uh, receiving the keys to the building, the new facility, on April 5th. Come on, give God praise. Now, there are some challenges that are going to have to happen, and we're excited about that. Uh, obviously, weather during the winter and building during the winter and those type of things. But we need everyone praying as we move forward in that. It's exciting. Now, let me tell you this. That is actually one week after Easter. Easter is March 31st this year, and as we think about our annual Easter offering, and that always goes to our building and what we're doing. So, um, we, we, we've got some... We've got some thoughts to share with you. Hello, somebody. And uh, we're excited about it. So there you are. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. And uh, I'm going to do my best um, to press in this morning. I was uh, excited to have a couple of days off to do some chores around my house and some things that had been lagging. And, and uh, we, this summer, reconstructed our backyard down towards the river and all that stuff. And so yesterday I was moving some rocks and uh, hurt my back. So uh, we'll, we'll, if I just stand here, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> here's a famous, here, here's a popular story. Watch this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever it is right, I'll give you. And so they went. And again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day and they said to him because no one hired us now get it this last crew he's talking to only has one hour left in the day to work so when evening had come verse 8 the owner of the vineyard said to the steward call the laborers and give them their wages beginning with the last to the first so those who only worked one hour pay them first those who worked 12 hours, pay them last and let them watch you pay the ones who only worked one hour first. Hello, somebody. And when those who came were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. Wow. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat all day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the denarius? Take what's yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first 
And the first will be last, for many are called, but few are chosen. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, if you're tempted to side with the workers in this story, right? Like, you're not alone because I believe that this parable has been a parable that has challenged people for well over 2,000 years. Uh, We live in a world where we like things to be fair. The landowner's pay scale violates that. That's not fair. Come on, have you ever said that in life? Come on, have you ever said that in life? That's not fair. Have you ever said that to God? Oh, absolutely. Come on, don't act spiritual this morning. Have you ever said that to God? Yeah, absolutely. God, that's not fair. You see, the truth of the matter is when we're faced with the reality of what grace really is, we can be violated by the mathematics of grace. Because done that up. Doesn't make sense. But the problem is when we look at it, we can't really argue with the logic of it. See, fairness is a tricky thing. It's two-sided. Are you with me? It's a tricky thing. It's two-sided. If I'd been part of those who worked all day, I'd have felt like it'd been, hello somebody, unfair. But if I was the employer, I would have felt it was unfair if I wasn't allowed to be generous with my money. Can I say this to us, church? Grace belongs to God. It's not ours. It's not the churches. It's not religions. Grace belongs to God. He gets to extend it to who he wants to. But the truth of the matter is that might violate us. Come on. Jesus said this parable reflects what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 1. Can I say this to you? Jesus said this parable reflects what the kingdom of God is like. Can I help you? It's unfair. It's unfair. Especially in the way we view fairness. Here's what I know about me. I can't, I can't talk for you, but here's what I know about me. I just use me in my own sermon illustration. Is that all right? Because I only complain about things being unfair when they work against me. I'm just trying to be honest. I, 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 right? When unfairness works... To my advantage, you know what I call that? Answered prayer. That's what I call that. How do you respond when you get something that's more than your fair share? You know what you do? You thank God and you keep moving before somebody changes their mind. Right? That's not, I got to get out of here, right? Somebody's going to change your mind. You never ever, when you get more than your fair share, you never stand up and say, no, that's not fair. My piece is bigger than yours. No, what you do is you say, Jesus loves me more than he loves you. 
That's what you do. Right? So let's be honest, when it comes to fairness, we're a bit selective. The kingdom of God doesn't operate according to principles of fairness. At least not the way we measure it. When I think of all the things that I have done, when, when I think about all the things that I have done wrong, when I consider the things that I, I promised God I wouldn't do anymore, but then I did. You know what, I, what I've come to realize is I really don't want God to be fair. I don't. I, I really don't want God to fail. If, fair to me, if fairness means I get what I deserve, I really don't want God to be fair. And in those moments, if fairness means that I get what I deserve, I'm going to opt for grace. See, the kingdom of God is not fair in that everyone gets what they deserve. This parable is not fair. The kingdom of God is, is, it's measured in a way that it makes our minds learn that God and grace are two things that we can control. If you're familiar with the New Testament, watch this. Stephen, first martyr. Everybody say amen. I, I don't have time to read your Bible to you, so Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7. Stephen's the first martyr. So an interesting thing that happens here is the early church was experiencing some incredible aspects of unity. But all things got to come to an end. And here we go. All these Jewish converts from outside of Palestine were getting uh, some attention. And those, uh, they were getting more attention from those who were from the area. And, and so the disciples said, let's select seven men who are of good character and, and got a good reputation. And let them oversee the distribution of food and things like that. And so uh, Stephen was first known for his faith. Now he's a Gentile. But his faith was so strong, they had the confidence of the church. It's an interesting thing. His knowledge of Scripture was incredible, it allowed him to debate in the synagogue with the leaders, to challenge some things that weren't really of the Lord. And so what they did in these challenging is they accused him of blasphemy. Acts chapter 6, 13 and 14. They accused him that that's blasphemous against Moses. And they found some false witnesses and, and they, they, they accused him of things that weren't right. And and at this point, if we're reading the story, we'd find out that the courage of most people would fade away. Because these are the same people who had just killed Jesus. Everyone knows what they're capable of. Come on, someone. Stephen stands his ground, Acts chapter 7, 51, 53. 
He stands his ground. Boom, here we are. He stands his ground and, and he tells them that by rejecting Jesus and clinging to the law, that they were making themselves idolaters. They were worshiping the law more than they were worshiping God. And so they had, they had made themselves idolater, and that was it. It, man, it made them so mad, they grab him, they drag him outside the city, and, and they begin to throw rocks at him. And with his life fading away, he sees Jesus. And he has a whole thing that happens. And he became the church's first martyr, and he's a great hero of faith. Paul, in the New Testament, I mean, he, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. It's an incredible thing. He's kind of, he stands in contrast to Stephen in a little bit in the fact that Paul uh, talks about himself as being a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's, he's been raised in the right family. He's been, he's been in God's chosen grace, right? And he obeyed the law more than anybody who'd ever obeyed the law with sincerity and with zeal, right? And his love for the law of God caused him to be a passionate killer, He was actually there the day Stephen was stoned, holding the coats of those who were throwing rocks. One day while hunting down Christians, he has a direct encounter with the Son of God. And this is what I'm telling you. See, this is what religion doesn't do for you. Religion doesn't allow you to have a direct encounter with Jesus. Religion stands between you and the one you're trying to get to. It, it, because, see, what happens is when we have an encounter with Jesus, we come to a fact to realize that our mathematics inside of fairness doesn't line up. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, right? But, see, the, the religion and the laws will allow us to at least make the math work. Do this, get that. Don't do this, get that. See, that's what religion does to us, and it causes us to live in a form of graceless religion. Come on, someone. Because that's what makes sense to us. And so Paul has this encounter on the road to Damascus, right? And, and, and he finds out that his good deeds, all his good deeds, had actually been grievous acts of sin against God. And so Saul converts to Paul and becomes part of the ranks of those that he had been persecuting for years and and now we know that he became a tireless missionary for like 15 years traveling over 30,000 miles planting churches preaching teachings establishing the churches and, and writing nearly one-third of the new testament because of his actions the gospel the gospel spreads across the earth and before his martyrdom in rome paul did more to expand the kingdom of god than any other person. But see, unlike Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, violence had stained his life. So here are three guys Stephen, Paul, Timothy. But Paul lived long enough to. Erase all of those stains in people's minds. 
And he died in the confidence of the grace of God. But before Stephen, before Paul, and before Timothy, there's a guy in the Bible, we don't even know his name. Come on, somebody, y'all not helping me. And it's so good. When you start to read what's happening in this story, there's a guy who was made famous because of his faith in Jesus, right? He's no hero of faith, yet his story is told over and over and over and over again, wherever the Gospels preach. I don't know his name, but I know his character. And he was quite a character. We know his past because he's described as a criminal. And we're only introduced to him in the final pages of his life. He's hanging on a cross within earshot of Jesus. Now let me just brace you something because this is an interesting fact. The fact, the fact that he was described as a criminal rather than a zealot or a slave indicated that he was guilty of crimes so bad that he couldn't even row a Roman warship. Y'all, y'all not listening to me. This guy was, he just, he listen, he's not stealing candy out of the five cent store. See, Rome would take criminals and they would make them slaves and then those slaves would row their ships, their Roman warships, in the bottom of the boat. They would be chained to the floor and hands on the oars and they would row. And if, if, if the boat went down, it's no big deal because they were just criminal slaves. And so a healthy man in his prime, Rome wouldn't waste him. They would throw him in the bottom of a boat. But evidently, this guy's crimes was so bad that Rome had said, no, we're not even dealing with that. We're not even giving him that opportunity. Put him on a cross and kill him. We don't want to deal with him anymore. I don't want him in the bottom of the boat. He'll, you see, whatever it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it had to be that bad. This is why I say you can't, you can't just read your Bible. You've got to understand. There's a guy hanging next to Jesus on a cross whose life is so miserable that Rome thought the best thing they could do was kill him. To make an example of others who might want to live like him. Don't put him in the boat, make him a slave. No, 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 no. No, hang him on a cross and make him an example. We're not putting up with this. Have you ever thought about that? Luke chapter 23. I'm just going to read it to you real quick here. In uh, uh, verse 32, watch this. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Church. Here we got curiosity. Striking people so much that they're 
They can't look away. Have you ever seen something so horrible that you're like, that's horrible, but you can't look away? Like, I can't stop watching it. And, and so they're there. The, the religious crowd is there to encourage and sneer this on. The soldiers are mocking him. This, this scene is incredible. And eventually, one of the men, verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, everybody say, but the other. Answer rebuking, do not even fear God. Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? We indeed justly receive the due of our rewards for our deeds. But who comes to the defense of Jesus? A guy whose life was so terrible, Rome didn't want him as a slave. You see, this is what we keep saying. Grace is hindered in your life when you think you've gone too far. When the world would throw you away. When you've done so much that your family would throw you away. Come on, somebody. When you've messed up so bad that your spouse is ready. Come on, somebody. Like when everybody's rejected you. When life has fallen apart and you have failed in every way. And you think you're not even worthy of anything but death. Can I tell you Jesus is not far away? Can I tell you Jesus is not far away? Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. An unlikely criminal. Clearly, he believed in God because he recognized his own guilt. He had no illusions. Let me put this. He had no illusions that... If there was anything in this life that was good, he didn't deserve any of it. If there's an afterlife, he surely wasn't looking forward to it. His only hope was what he deserved least. Mercy and grace. So in an act of desperation, verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If the kingdom of heaven was reserved for good people, this man doesn't have a chance. If the kingdom of God is reserved for good people, That means that repentance from the cross is meaningless. That means that rededication when you only have hours to live doesn't count for anything. We're we're all sorry when we get caught and we're facing the penalty of our actions. What could promise or offer restitution was impossible. He's got no bargaining power. He has earned the cross. He has earned eternity separated from all that is good. He was getting what was fair. Oh, come on, somebody. And he admits it. 
I'm getting what's fair. I'm getting what's fair. You're getting what's fair. This man is innocent. But I love that in this story, while Jesus is hanging on a cross, dying with every breath that he takes, he continues to fade. And to waste that breath would mean that his death would come faster. Even to speak or muscle up the breath to speak would be painful because the diaphragm is being stretched as your weight is hanging. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering... Jesus disturbed the proper order of things. Let me tell you something this morning. You might be in here in this place, and you might be going through some things that are horrible, and you might think that that's the proper order of things, but I got a Jesus who loves to come in the midst of all that mess and disturb the proper order of it. Yes, a way of doing that. Remember I asked you last week, did Jesus just ever mess with you? Am I the only one? Jesus, as he's dying, decides to be incredibly unfair. Watch verse 43, and Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, You'll be with me. And are you kidding me? Why bother? You see, sometimes in my own life, when things are not what I wanted them to be, I can live my life in such a way that I think, well, I guess I deserve it. Why ask God for forgiveness? Why ask God to be merciful? Why even think about the grace of God? He, he's not going to bother. Church, you can't run by this. You can't run by this. You cannot run by this. If, if you go by this too fast, you're going you're gonna to miss it. You're going to miss Don't rush by this. Can I say this to you? God in body. Perfection in skin. Holiness with hands and feet. Grace in a pair of sandals. Promised a man who was as opposite as him, as opposite could be, that where he was going, he would be also. Amen. How can this be? How can Jesus grant an 11th hour convert the same eternal reward as Stephen? No. Stephen didn't waver. When most would run away and say, okay, okay, I, don't throw those rocks at me. He stood his ground. He, even halfway through, it, when the pain, when the rocks were, you know, I was like, well, I'd stop, stop. I'll, no, he stood his ground. Paul didn't waver. Paul 
converts. And, and, and now the very thing he's, he was destroying, he's building up. And, and he's writing what you and I still read today. And, and we're living on principles that this man shared with us. Timothy, a, a young disciple, begins to lead the church in a powerful way. These men, these men, if anybody gets what's fair, they get heaven. They get heaven. They don't have to pause when they get to the gate. Uh, no one's going to look at them and go, excuse me, who are you? You got some form of ID? Do you belong here? No, the gates are going to open wide. Are you with me? And they're going to say, come in. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We know you, Stephen. We know you, Paul. We know you, Timothy. But this guy, I don't know his name. Excuse me. Did you get lost? You, you belong here? You got a resume? Why would a criminal be granted entrance into the kingdom of God along with men like Stephen and Paul and Timothy? That's not fair. It's better than fair. It's grace. Y'all better be glad I hurt my back yesterday because I just I could run around this place. It's grace. Maybe I'm just naive. But I don't really understand why people are so resistant to the gospel. I know, I know, I know it's been mischaracterized through the years. I know religion and modern day church and all this kind of stuff has, has, has mischaracterized some things. Uh, some of us Christians haven't helped with our less than consistent behavior. Don't go there, Pastor Don. You're talking about grace. And even series like, yep. But once a person gets past all of that, and they look at the offer of grace, it's too good to pass up. Just think about the exchange between this criminal and Jesus. Why would anybody opt for religion? Uh, a religion that is based on personal performance. Why? Why? Who thinks you're really good enough to get into heaven? Who thinks, even with the guarantee of eternal salvation through the finished work of the cross of Calvary, the devil works on all of our minds. Are you good enough? Have you done enough? Are you okay? Are you sure you're going to get in? And see, instead of talking to you about is the blood good enough, that's never what the devil does. The, never, the devil never discounts that the blood of Jesus Christ isn't good enough to save you, fill you, heal you, and punch your ticket for all eternity. No, 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 that's not what he does. He always comes to you with your works, good or bad. Look what you did. Are you sure you're good enough? Look what you did. Are you sure you're good enough? What about that thought? Man, a Christian wouldn't do that. What about that word? Oh, you said that word. 
But see, you're, you wrestle with that. Why? Because then you start to live in performance-based religion instead of standing up to the devil and saying, God decided to not be fair to me. There's somebody in this room who's getting it right now. I mean, you can lean on the Ten Commandments if you want to. But they weren't given to get you into heaven. They were given to show you how far away from heaven you really were. They were given so that you need to know that you need God in order to get there. And when God sent Jesus, he sent the only one who could keep the law so that you could get there. The Bible calls him the propitiation for your sins. Every religion in this world has their version of the golden rule. Yes, it does. But every one of those are too high to attain. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Negative. You call my mama name, I'm going to call your mama name. And if that don't work, we'll go to grandmama's. We get all the way down to great-grandmamas. That's what's going to happen around here. It's a silly thought. But it's a relevant thought for anyone who thinks they can behave their way into God's presence. If God's looking for good people... then what we need to know is what is good. What is pass or fail? Where's the line at? I don't know. Can I just say this to us in this room this morning in this grace series? Any and all religion will fail to get you to God. We know this because every religious system offers some kind of advice of what to do when you mess up. Here's a summary of religion. Let me just put it out there. There is a God. God has a standard for individuals to live by, but it's too hard. Good luck. See you on the other side, maybe. Religion in its own teaches, highlights, and, and, and it shows us our inability to live up to a divine standard. We don't need religion to tell us we're not good enough. And let me tell you something, being perfect doesn't erase the past. That's what makes Christianity so unique, church. Come on, this is our celebration moment right here. I'm trying to talk to you about walking in freedom. I'm trying to talk to you about receiving the grace of God so that it's not hindered in your life. So that you can understand who you are in God because of His grace. Jesus comes into this world and did what religion couldn't. Somebody help me. He offered himself as the answer to the questions no one else could answer. Jesus offered himself to the question you've been asking that no one can answer. Now that I messed up, 
What do I do? Now that I messed up, what do I do? You ever have a bad day? I had one the other day. My wife just looked at me and she said, You need a nap. She did. She was like, you are in a mood today. I said, I'm not in a mood today. You ever have a bad day? Does that bad day cause you to doubt God's goodness in your life or his ability to keep you? I'm not talking about living in willful sin and rebellion. That's different. That's not what we're talking about. If you're living in willful sin, we've got to have a whole different conversation. But I find that most of us, most aren't wrestling with willful sin. Some are, some are. But even in that, you know the difference. Christ's death and resurrection signaled to the world that the kingdom of God is not reserved for good people. It's reserved for forgiven people. Come on, be happy about it, church. Be happy about it. Good forgiven people. Pretty good forgiven people. Not so good forgiven people. And people like the criminal on the cross. He can't even be trusted to be a slave. He is messed up so bad that the best thing to do is just kill him. Can I ask a question? I mean, I'm a, I'm a student of history, and the, the, the Romans, they're incredible. Like, their military power was incredible. My, my wife and I, we get to go to the UK and minister in some churches over there, and um, right there in the center of the UK, Hadrian's Wall goes across the belt of the UK. Now, Hadrian's Wall was the last outpost of the Roman territory, government. And we got to see a Roman fort there that had running water, heated water, running toilets. Like, I mean, their engineering ability was um, still there. Hadrian Wall is still there. And we were standing on top of Hadrian's Wall... And we were looking towards Scotland, and I told my wife, I said, everything from here north, that was considered the barbarians. I know it's rabbit season. Stop. But everything from Hadrian's Wall to Egypt, that is Rome. And we learned in Bible college, uh, first-year students, you'll learn this, that it, got, it was actually the Roman roads if it wasn't for the roads that the Romans built, the gospel could not have gone to the rest of the world. 
And we actually drove on one of those roads that the Romans built. It's still there today. They still drive on the thing. Straight as can be. And I think, you know what? The Romans built this road, and because of that, the gospel went to the four corners of the earth. Rome said of this guy, kill him. What did he do? Let me put it in perspective right now. Because it brings us back to fair. The gospel is actually the fair system imaginable. Think about it. Think about it. Everybody's invited. Judah, David, Rahab, Nicodemus. Come on. Come on. Everybody gets there the same way. Through Christ. Everybody can meet the requirement by faith. But this kind of fair, it doesn't come without a price. Jesus bled and died to open the kingdom's door wide enough for all of us and the not-so-good people to enter into it. That way God did it. Grace is costly. It's costly. Jesus' death gave God the latitude to grant Stephen, the Saul's, come on, the last-minute converse of the world, the same eternal home. It was Christ's death on the cross that makes the kingdom of God available to you and to me. That's not fair. Better than fair is grace. Glory to God. Stand in this house. Come on, stand in this house. So many of us while we might not know his name. Come on, somebody. We live like he did. I messed up. And I do it over and over again. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were just tired of him, just his recidivism, just repeating. Maybe they were just tired of seeing him. Or just sick of seeing you. I don't know. I just start, the Bible doesn't say. I don't know. All I know is that when I understand who Rome was, for them to decide to kill a, a healthy man, see, have you messed up so bad that you think you don't even deserve slavery? This message is for you. If you've been living your life thinking life is not fair, don't reject the gospel because it's better than fair. It's grace. So we're going to just worship for a minute and the altar is open. I just want to pray for us. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word. Your grace is good enough, Jesus. Your grace is good enough, Jesus. God, in this place, maybe there are some of us, we, we're living in that area where we've messed up so bad. Maybe in our minds, our anxiety, our depression, and our struggles have consumed us into a dark place to think we have no worth and no value. We, we, we don't even have enough value to be trusted with the lowest things. God, in this room, maybe there are people who are married and 
there's a struggle. They feel like this thief on the cross. Well, I get what I deserve. Maybe someone has lived an addiction or struggle for so long and lived in shame and guilt because of a wound. Father, right now, I just want to pray and say thank you that you're not fair. And I just want to say, God, we extend grace right now. Allow your grace to be extended right now. Allow your grace to be extended right now. Let healing come because of God's grace. Let healing come because of God's grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the healing power of God's grace. On a hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. Yes, he did. My Jesus set me free. Yes, he did. Come on. Come on, church. Look Sing it. The wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his eyes, no greater sacrifice. What he's done. Here he is, church. What he's done. All, All the glory and the honor to the Son. My, My sins are forgiven. Jesus in this 
place today. We celebrate your goodness, God. We can't fathom, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are not fair. And that, Lord, every chance you get, God, you will always choose grace in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you take away this sense of fairness that hinders us from receiving your grace and allow us to receive it, Lord, with life-changing and transforming power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell your neighbor it's better than fair. Until this race is